Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, for those of you who don't know, this is Vision Sunday 2019, and you guys need the word so much mm. that we're going to start double preaching. Double trouble. Double sermons every week. How about that? We're just going to bring it for about an hour and a half. We've got plenty of time. No, we don't have a third service, so just settle down. No, I'm just kidding. Right? We, uh, we love to envision Sunday. We think every Sunday at Fellowship is that God's people gather together is important, but this is a unique Sunday, a special Sunday that we take every year to really, for three purposes. One is to look back and to thank God for his faithfulness to us as a church to remember uh, one of the biggest words used in the Old Testament in terms of a number of times is the word remember. And the reason is, as God's people, we tend to what? Forget. Yes. And so we want to remember what God has done. Secondly, we want to stay laser focused on what God has called us to do, not only individually as the leaders, but as a church body. Here's who we are. Here's what he's called us to do. And we want to stay focused and clear on that. And then thirdly, we want to look forward uh, in the next year what God would have him trust, uh, trust him for and all that is in store for us. So a really, really fun morning for us at Fellowship. Now, as you know, we just sang that old, old hymn I love called I Love to Tell the Story. It was written by a gal named Arabella Hankey in 1866 while she was recovering from an illness. And I wanted you to notice, if you would, the intimate language she used as she wrote this poem and turned it into a hymn. She used, I love to tell the story. I, it being Jesus satisfies my longings as nothing else can do. It did so much for me. And that is just the reason I now tell it to thee. There was this personal language attached to this hymn because Jesus had invaded or inserted himself into her life in such a way that it changed her life and her words spoke of that. She told that story. I love the quote by G.K. Chesterton. If life is anything, it is a story. And if there's a story, Jesus is for sure the story maker. How about that? So if our lives have been graced by Christ, we spend the rest of our lives in some ways telling his story. And this is key for us this morning, exploring the amazing details of how he has inserted himself in our story in the past in the present as we walk with him and how he will do so. And we will have eyes and ears and emotions to be attentive to how he will do so in the future. And I want to say this to us this morning very clearly. Much of our continued growth and maturity in Christ's likeness will be attached to how well we see Jesus, the story maker in our stories. The clarity in which we can see his sovereign, gracious hand intersecting our lives. And even as I think of that, I feel emotional because I go back knowing at 19 when I wanted nothing to do with the story maker, he overrided that and inserted himself into my story. 
One writer put it this way, said, it's a story of grace he is writing, and grace isn't grace if they're not big messes to fix. <laughs> Man, we got a lot of messes, but we got a great story, writer, and maker. So this year's focus is, I love to tell the story. The story maker turns us into great storytellers. And Monty's going to speak more of that, details on story in a minute. So we're going to practice our first handoff, <clears throat> baton, fist bump. My there you go. Bit. There you go. Okay. That's great. So that's great. Um, yeah. So we are going to explore this, this subject of story, but we want you to first get the bigger picture, kind of the foundation. If you haven't been at fellowship for a long time, there are some things <laughs> that we would just say are true of this church, kind of like DNA. And we want to be reminded of that over and over and over again so that we can stay on track. The first thing is our mission. We are cultivating connected followers of Christ. That's why we're here. That's what we're about. That's what we're committed to. And everything that we do in this church somehow finds its way into that mission. There might even be things that we say no to because it isn't attached to that mission. So we want to cultivate connected followers of Christ. Now, how do we go about doing that? We have a strategy. And that strategy is all of us as Christ followers growing in five areas or five connections, upward with God, backward with our story, withward with the body, inward with our gifting, and outward with the mission, all centering around the gospel. So we're gospel-grounded people trying to cultivate these five connections. And we don't only do that individually, we do that with and for each other. We're all growing in those things together. Now, in addition to that, we have four values as a church. And these are things that are true of this church. Uh, we hope they're true of this church. It's kind of like if we followed your family around for a little while, we would find out what's important to you. So here are four things. You probably hear us say these every once in a while, but we're going to review them very quickly. The first is, together is? better. We actually believe that the Christian life is not intended to be a solo endeavor, that we are better when we're traveling together. So huge value. We want to beat that drum over and over and over again. Secondly, what you see is what you get. And what that means is we want to be transparent, authentic. We, we don't want to be different in here than we are out there. We hope that you kind of see the same people, the same person, the same family, wherever you might find them. So what you see is what you get. This is the real deal. Next, a long obedience in the same direction. That's a Eugene Peterson quote. And that just means that the Christian life is a long process. And those that grow stay at it for a long time. Growth is never fast. It takes a long time. It also means that life change is a way of life for the Christian. That's our fourth value. So it's not just something that you do on Sundays for about an hour and a half. It's not just something you do when you kind of get inspired on a certain day of the week or a certain month or a certain year. It's something that it's just all of life is about growing in our relationship with Christ. So hopefully we share these with you. It's a great reminder for us but so that you can kind of know what is this church about? What are we doing here? And whatever you see us doing, hopefully you can see how it connects with this foundation. Does that make sense? 
So take us into our passage for the day. Yes, and as you end up with a life change as a way of life, I think back to one of my favorite stories ever. We had, uh, Jen and I had a, a young man right out of college, came from an incredibly traumatic home life and background, and we had him live with us for about a year and a half uh, as he came on staff with Campus Crusade for Christ. And uh, he's actually a biblical counselor now. How about that? Uh, started from there, but we're jogging one day and God is just ripping off layer and layer and layer. And it's painful to change, especially at first when it's all at once. And he, uh, he said to me with grunted, angry tears, how long will I need to change as we jogged along? And I remember just jogging and I said, until you die. He said, I knew you would say that. Right? <laughs> so a good reminder for him and for, for me. Um, I want to, uh, to look at a passage, a great passage, 2 Peter 1, 3 through 8. This passage speaks directly to how Jesus is invading. And to be on the screen, I think the whole passage there, yeah, you can look. How Jesus is invading our life stories brings about radical life change. Matter of fact, this passage, what we need to get from it is that our stories are not just about knowing information. Although it starts there, and although it, it, it's good to know about God and his words for sure, knowing more information about God is not the end goal but it's actually about life transformation. Listen to this, Peter, as I read this passage. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. His divine power gives you and I everything we need for life change. Through the knowledge of him, that's where it starts, who called us to do, called us to his own glory and excellence by which he granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, meaning more like Christ, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. Do you see the life transformation that happens? For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful, which means no change is happening. You're getting worse, not better, in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this text, and if you know the book of 2 Peter, vividly portrays the nature of the Christian life in a challenge to the believer for spiritual maturity, growth, and change. And here's what Peter's doing. He's warning us. He's warning us and he's warning them that head knowledge that never touches the heart, that is never personal, that's never intersects with our story in such a way that ends up changing us, 
That is not what is intended for the Christian. Peter makes it very clear, very clear that spiritual growth as a Christian calls for a diligent and strenuous involvement by the believer. Did you see those words? Make every what? Effort. Grace is not opposed to effort. Grace is opposed to earning. Grace is not opposed to effort. Progress, not perfection, is the goal. Continual change. I love the classic book, The Pilgrim's Progress. I read it probably a couple times over the years, but it's just a classic. If you haven't read it, I highly recommend it. In that book, the Christian, who is the main character, his name is Christian, is on a journey led by God, and progress is not only expected, but it is the goal. And Christian, that main character in the book, puts it this way. My name is now Christian, but my name used to be graceless. That is the goal of the Christian life. And in light of that, we need to understand how our stories sort of affect that. Absolutely. That, that story is a great story. And um, so many of us, if you've read it, you can identify with it. You can kind of see yourself in Pilgrim and relate to his journey along the way. So it is a part of the Christian life. I think we would say that I don't really know anyone that has a lot of maturity and fruitfulness and spiritual influence that hasn't connected backward with their story. Now, they may not use those words to describe it, but they just have this sense about where they came from, how God found them, the work that he did along the way, the work that he's doing right now, and a sense about where God is taking them. There's an awareness of story. But that's not all. Story is actually far bigger than that. So when we say we want to connect backward with our story, we're actually talking about four aspects of story, one of them being this individual thing where you're able to look back and see your story in your journey of faith. But then bigger than that, we're supposed to connect backward with the story of our local community of faith. So Fellowship Bible Church, we're going into our 20th year we have a story. God's been doing something in and through this church over the years. And it's not all perfect. It's not all spectacular and glorious. It's just this steady journey of us trying to walk with God faithfully in this community where he's planted us. So individual story, story with our community of faith. Then there's this connection with the New Testament uh, story of the church. So Jesus Christ left heaven lived his life, dead, buried, resurrected. He's coming again. That whole New Testament story is something that we're a part of. And it's very easy as Christians in 2019 to forget that we are a part of something that has been unfolding for 2,000 years. And the Great Commission, the, the instructions that Jesus Christ gave his first 12 disciples, that is the very same commission that he's given you and me. So... That's pretty cool to think that we're attached to that. We're a part of that. And God's not only giving us a job to do, he's using that job to make us more like our Savior. That's pretty exciting. But that's not it. There's an even bigger story, and that is the redemptive 
story of God through all of history, when he spoke everything into being, that started a story that has been unfolding now for all of the years of creation. And it is going to finish just as he intends. It's described in the book of Revelation. That's where we're heading, but that's what we're a part of. And so what we want to do as a church is we want to orient everything that we do around his story in our lives, in our church, in this New Testament era of Christianity, and in all of redemptive history. So when you hear us talk about connecting backward with our story, our hope is that you'll be able to kind of get the full sense of what we're talking about when we say that. It's beyond just a a personal thing. So with that, how about if we look backward at our story as a church? Yes, and when, um, when we think about story... Um, I, I think two intuitive questions we need to ask is, is we're all going to leave a story. Like what kind of stories are we leaving individually and as a church? You know, what will be said of us? What are we allowing God to write the stories that we really want him to write about us? So as we think about that, let's take a minute and be encouraged and look back at God's faithfulness, a story making God and how he used us and worked through us uh, as a church. Uh, As we do that, many of these things are on the back of your sheet you were given this morning. If you didn't get one, you can pick one up, but uh, it'll give you an idea. You can look over those later. First of all, uh, last year's emphasis, this year's is going backward with our story, or I love to tell the story. Last year's emphasis, if you remember, was uh, the emphasis of outward with the mission. Remember that? So we did six messages about how to take the gospel outward. And uh, we also taught through the book of Jonah, which is a classic Old Testament uh, narrative of a prophet who thought he was too good to go to those who did not believe and how God worked in his life in such a way. So great stuff for us there. And then uh, I got the uh, wonderful opportunity to visit the majority of our community groups. I'll go to finish up this year uh, to go in for two hours and train and equip our body in how to have spiritual conversations, how to clearly articulate the gospel to those who don't know Christ. And so what a great time that was. Many of you said you've never, never been trained to do that in all your years. And then just for evidence of God's kindness to us, we challenge you to have spiritual conversations, to just not know about how to share Christ, but to actually do it. And the ping pong balls in the hallway are evidence, over 400 of them to the last count, of spiritual conversations where God allows us to plant seed and then he does as he pleases with it. So great stuff. Is that encouraging or what? No doubt. Yes. Awesome. And then we had a four-week Advent series. We had a four-week Easter series called A Better Way. We have been in the book of Luke forever, and we will continue in the book of Luke until the year 2035. Mm. Um, But what a great story Luke has been, right? (laughs) A great story. Uh, We took two teams to Hope Force, total of 16, or with Hope Force International to Lumberton, uh, North Carolina, total of 16 people. Uh, there uh, to minister to them in their darkest moments. And matter of fact, uh, on RAM, you can see 
an opportunity coming up October 11th and the 12th, a two-day training with Hope Force International about how to really be equipped to minister to people in whatever their darkest moment is. Empathy, divorce, loss of life, uh, of a loved one, etc. So great stuff there you can check out. We took 22 people to Belize, uh, partnering with a local church there, uh, engaged that community at a high level with the gospel. We launched Regeneration, our, our recovery ministry here, and every Tuesday night with the leadership of Phil Herndon, uh, 30 folks show up uh, to, to really say, my name is so-and-so and I need help. It's a beautiful, redemptive picture of the gospel. We talked a few weeks about ago about marriage mentors and all that's happening there. Uh, we launched our first Even Songs, a night of worship with story and scripture and prayer and worship. Uh, incredible times that we've had together. We upped to Annie from one night a month to two nights a month with Stepping Stones. Stepping Stones being a ministry to women who have found themselves with really, really hard times. And, and what was beautiful about that is every... I had a heart attack. No. What was, I can't shake up here. I shook a little bit. What's beautiful about that is every community group said yes... And they are engaging those women by bringing and serving them by bringing food at night, breakfast in the morning, set up, playing with their kids, having conversations. So great job, community groups. More to do there for sure. Embrace Grace, 15 gals participated. And you gave this past year five expectant mothers baby showers. And you blew it out of the park. What a blessing to those women. Operation Christmas Child, 635 boxes that went to Senegal, the Ukraine, Ecuador, Zimbabwe. And I love this, an unnamed country. You can't name it because you can't preach the gospel in those countries. They'll kill you. They'll arrest you. But God in his kindness and sovereignty used our little church to go poop under the radar and uh, for children to hear about Jesus. First Friends, we partnered with them, a ministry to international students at MTSU. And uh, we started financially supporting a couple, Raymond and Justin Song. Um, I knew them from college. They came to Christ at East Carolina with me through Campus Crusade. And they're both professors. He's the dean of students as well. They are professors at the school, East Asia School of Theology. They are the only biblical seminary known of in East Asia. Think of that. Their students come from China, Hong Kong, India, Indonesia, Malaysia, Mongolia, Cambodia, Vietnam, <clears throat> Japan, and Korea. 90% of their graduates go on to minister in unreached people groups. They have less than 2% Christians. Folks, God is taking his gospel to the world. And then I love that just practically we used this facility the last couple of years as a free space for the Blackman baseball team to have their end of the year banquet. Just fun 
to have a home to minister to our schools. Yeah, I love that. Um, you know, so much of ministry is really us just trying to kind of see where God is at work and then joining him in that. So <laughs> ministry is about partnership, and we had some wonderful ministry partnerships over the last year. Um, many of you partnered with our children's ministry just down the hall. Hundreds of kids back there week in and week out, and they get to hear the gospel in a relational context among their peers. They have a, a dedicated leader, and they get to um, hear it and then think about how they might apply it to their life. I love to see the fruit of that. Our, our kids did a Christmas program, if you were here, that was all about really proclaiming the gospel back to us. So they're taking what they're learning, and they're also learning to begin to tell the story themselves. FSM had a, a huge gathering this summer called Unite. 1,800 students from 12 different churches. Great collaboration in our city. And they were celebrating the story, learning to tell the story, serving in our community. 90 students came from our church to participate in that. Uh, one came to Christ. They all served in greenhouse ministry. So just how cool is that? That They're learning that we don't just know it, but we learn to live it. We apply it to our lives. And then lastly, Windshape was a great next generation emphasis. 244 kids came to camp that week and every one of them heard a beautiful uh, incarnational presentation of the gospel and had an opportunity to respond um, three kids came to Christ, 24 asked for follow-up. So pretty cool to have that opportunity to reach out in our city. Um, we've gone beyond our city to other parts of the world. Lindsay Hendricks is with Campus Crusade, or crew, in uh, Sweden, Lund, Sweden. It's one of the largest cities in Sweden and one of the largest universities, 40,000 students. And uh, it's a pretty dark place, but they are bringing the light of Christ into that city. Rome International Church, we've been partnering with them for a couple of years. And uh, Lauren and Elena Holland are leading that church, which has people come in and out from all over the world. It's an amazing little intersection of culture. The angels were with us just last week, and we got to hear their story at Amazima Ministries in Uganda. If you haven't heard about that, catch uh, the interview online. There's a lot of great encouraging things about what they're doing there, what life is like in Uganda. Locally, we've been partnering with Fellowship of Christian Athletes, uh, Family Life, uh, Kevin and Colleen Green right here in our church. They're actually field staff for Family Life. So they serve in a number of cities with the conferences, but then they're also a, a vibrant part of our church family. Uh, we've supported the Journey Home, which is serving the homeless and disadvantaged in our city. Uh, Men of Valor, unbelievable prison ministry that some of you have actually participated with, doing some good work there. Search Nashville is a, is a ministry really designed to equip men to have spiritual conversations in the workplace, to make connections where they spend most of their time. So beautiful job. And then Young Life, which has had a huge impact on my life. Um, they're in five high schools in our city. They're also at MTSU, and they've started a new ministry with teen moms. So we get to, I want you to hear that, we get to partner 
with those ministries. In some ways we participate, but in other ways we're just kind of winding their sails so that they can do what God's called them to do. Now, sometimes when we go over information like this, it can sound a little bit like we're beating our chest or patting ourselves on the back like, what a great little church we are. And what we want you to hear is, as Jeff and I think about these things, I, I, honestly, sometimes we're like, we can't believe it. We just we can't believe that God is so good to let us be a part of his work here. I ran across a quote this week that I think kind of captures how we think about all of these ministry opportunities. It's David Platt in his book, Radical. We're proof that ordinary people who are naturally drawn to the comforts of the American dream, I can identify with that. We're proof that those kind of people can be converted to a radical faith in a radical savior. Isn't it amazing that God would allow us to be a part of his radical redemptive work inside this church and outside this church across the street and around the world. It's pretty, pretty amazing. So with, that's a look back. We celebrated a little bit of what God's done in our past. Now let's look ahead and see where God is taking us in the next 12 months. So that list wasn't very long 19 years ago when the church was planted. <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> it was Monty and Kimberly, right? So God has been gracious there. I saw a little video last week of, uh, of what it looks like for God to use his people. As a two-year-old little boy, and he was about to shoot the basketball at a 10-foot goal, and the dad picks him up, and he shoots it. And, uh, and I thought, yep, that's exactly how it is. We're, we're trying to shoot the little basketball, and God just comes back and, and uses us. So we're very grateful for all that. Uh, as we look forward, um, looking ahead, and uh, the story maker is writing our stories, the question is, what kind of stories will we be able to tell in the next year? What kind of stories will you be able to tell in the next year? How will God change you? Literally transform you from where you are now to what you struggle with, to how you see life, to how you see the world, to what you believe, to how you see others, to how you see yourself, to how you see him. How will he change you? Here's some thought-provoking questions. Will it be a story of one who is inconsistent in prayer becoming one who prays often? Will it be a person who is anxious, who learns to cast his biggest cares onto Christ? Will it be one who is prideful and now walks in humility? Will it be one who is apathetic spiritually and they become passionate about Christ and the gospel? Will it be one who is stingy Yet now, in the next year, they begin to live their lives with open hands of generosity with their time, talent, truth, and treasure. Will it be one of the liar who becomes a truth teller, the sex addict who loves Christ now more instead of the screen, the person who rarely confesses and repents, who now makes confession and repentance a way of life, the one who holds to bitterness in relationships when they've been hurt to one who initiates and reconciles quickly, the one who is thoughtless with their words and to one who is now becoming wise and careful, to the one that the marriage is in a tough place, 
and it becomes one that is growing and encouraging, etc., etc., etc. These things, this kind of change is so ordinary for the person that Christ has inserted himself into their life. Radical on one hand, but so ordinary because that's exactly what he does in his people. And here's how he does it. He does it in big picture ways through what we would call at Fellowship Bible Church body life. Body life. As he writes our stories, he will use what he has always used to change his people. These ordinary but powerful means of grace for them there, worship gathering, community, living in community, serving and giving. When I say means of grace, I don't mean some special pixie dust magic. I mean these growth practices that help us to submit to God with our whole heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. These, these body life areas, they, they really consist of relationships and environments that God uses to change us. These are the areas on the screen that Peter was talking about. Remember when he said, make every effort. Synonyms, be resolute. Strain toward, take action in, have intentionality toward, plan for, make a priority. They're all synonyms. You can look it up on dictionary.com. For make every effort. For it is in these relationships and these environments that you and I can experience the stories of God changing his people. Let me take a little bit individual look there. Let's look first at worship, gathering, and community. Um, I, I think, if anything, here's what we'd like to ask you to do. Wonder if, just imagine if, you walked into these two environments with the mindset of what you can contribute and what you can give. Now, you're going to receive. That's natural. But you're going in with this mindset and this heart. Lord, what can I contribute to this worship environment, to the new person, to the person I don't know, to the person who's hurting? What can I contribute? And when I walk into my community group, I think the same thing. Here's what that's going to do. It's going to take you and I out of our natural bent to be consumers. They didn't give enough to me. I didn't get what I thought I would get. That these two environments, worship group and community, would be the last thing you cut, not the first they literally become this priority in the ebb and flow of your life. As you look at your weeks and your months and your years, you think, unless I'm dead or dying, these are the environments that God has provided for me to experience genuine life change. That you walked into these two groups and you apply our values of together really is better. It doesn't feel better sometimes, does it? The isolation sometimes feels what? Better? Just be by myself. Nobody. If it weren't for people, I'd be okay. 
right? But no, 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 we know better. God tells us together is better. And I'm going to believe God more than I'm going to believe my own stinking lying heart. <laughs> together is better. Even to that person that I struggle with. And what you see is what you get. That you can go into those places and say, I need, I desire, I struggle. And you get a me too answer in response. And then when it comes to serving, uh, look, the bottom line is uh, this church is full of places to serve. And we want to challenge every person to be serving somewhere, in with your gifting, or even I often say out with your gifting. You know, like sometimes we're not gifted and we just serve. But there's great places on your sheet there that you can look at and say, where can I help here? Where can I serve? I, I think it's just about our, our children's ministry. There's still places to serve there. What an incredible way to give your life away for that. And then giving. I, I want to sincerely, genuinely thank you for your faithful giving over the past year. I want you to know that we made budget in terms of spending less than what was given. And um, that's because of your generosity. And we work hard at our budgetary process to make sure we spend every dime and are accountable for every dime we spend. If you have more details with that, certainly you can engage us on that. Uh, we also will keep our uh, weekly budget the same, $20,500. Um, and so we feel like where we are as a church, keep it right there and stay steady. But here's the challenge for us here. I want to really challenge you. We want to challenge you as leaders that every household in this church, married, single, however the households are made up, every household would make every effort to think about, pray about, and consider what would you give to the mission of God through the church at Fellowship Bible Church. Cheerfully proportionately, consistently, generously. Every household, if every household gave, instead of some give and some don't, but prayerfully, Lord, what would you want us to do? Not in light of the budget necessarily, but in light of how you have given to us. And ultimately, it's not our money, but to engage that, to make every effort to consider what would it look like for me to, to give and to give well and to give biblically and the why behind the what of giving. We would be way over budget and in no telling the things that God would call us to or allow us to do in terms of his mission. Serving and giving in these ways, they strain us to grow because they strain us to trust him. And that's how we grow. Shows also what is ultimate in our lives. This body life and how we engage these four things shows us what is ultimate in our life. The story maker makes great stories out of this kind of living. No doubt. Yeah. Um, throughout my life, as I've tried to apply all that Jeff just talked about, 
I've been very fortunate to have other people that were helping me, equipping me, encouraging me, instructing me. We all need that. <coughs> and, and what you can know, what we're committed to doing as staff and elders is equipping you, as Ephesians 4 says, for the work of ministry. So over the next year, as we're trying to connect backward with our story, the staff and elders are going to be trying to provide opportunities, environments where you can connect deeply with him and with each other and certainly with your story and the larger story of God's redemptive plan. So those body life things, I guess I want you to connect. Those aren't just places to show up so you can check a box. Those are the places to go to be equipped. And what we're committed to doing is equipping as best as we can in those environments so that all of us can grow together. Um, I want to mention specifically uh, something we've, we've been talking about for a while, and we would really value your feedback. Um, we've created a survey, and uh, in some ways this church has grown and changed a lot in 19 years. And so we want to get a better sense about who are we as a church family. So we've got a survey that we want to ask you to take, and we're trying to make it as easy as possible. It only takes about 10 minutes to get through it, um, depending on how slow of a survey taker you are. Um, but here's how you do it. You can just, and if you want to pull out your phone right now, real simple, you can just text FBC survey to 31331. Is that right? Yep. FBC survey to 31331. You're going to get a link back and you can take the survey whenever it's convenient. If that doesn't work for you, we're going to put out that link on Realm this week. And uh, you can follow that link and take the survey that way. If neither of those options work for you, we actually have a table in the lobby today. You can just walk right out those doors over there. We've got laptops, and you can take the survey this morning. But make every effort. Oh, yes. I Thank see you what you much. did there. Thank that you. was good. So, yeah, um, help us um, learn more about our community of faith here so that we can do a better job.